Hello everyone, this is Elizabeth and welcome to a new episode of this podcast series by the Program in International Nutrition at Cornell University, or as we like to call it, the PIN podcast. In this series, trainees in PIN interview leaders and rising stars in the field of international nutrition and global health. Today with me are... Hi, I'm Nidhi and I'm a research assistant. Hi, I'm Andrea and a PhD candidate. And we are extremely happy to have with us today, Dr. Jacqueline Betzel-Fryer. Um, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And well, so for you all to know, Dr. Betzel-Fryer is a postdoctoral fellow at the National Cancer Institute. She's also doing a master in public health at the Job Hopkins University. And she earned a doctorate in immunology at the Job Hopkins University School of Medicine. Uh, in, two, in 2022, and hopefully she will tell us a little bit more about it and coming from immunology to, to some of the other things. So welcome, and, and we're excited to, to talk with you today. And this is our traditional first question. So basically, to get us started into, we would like to know a little bit about your career path. And so, for example, how do you get from doing a PhD in immunology to now uh, working more in the in the field of public health um, with inside life and and you know uh, with the masters and I should give the uh, warning to our listeners that today we actually heard the, your seminar uh, which was great and that's, that's that may sort of like come into the questions of the in the podcast and you all can watch it later uh, at the recorded version at the at the Cornell site. Great. Well, thank you for, for the question. And um, I will say I've had a career path that's taken a lot of changes as I've learned new things. So I think that's the big theme is learning. Um, so I've always been interested in the sciences, I would say, but it wasn't until um, I did my post-bac fellowship at the NIH um, after undergraduate training in an immunology lab that I really sort of became fascinated with how the cells in the body um are intricately regulated to protect us from viruses, from cancer, different threats that can happen. And so um, I worked in the laboratory of Dr. Catherine Zoon, and we studied innate immunity to viral infections. And so working there, I think, really influenced me toward the research path and the basic science path to be able to understand more about the complexities in immunology. And so um, I got to hear a lot about Johns Hopkins also why I was there because my mentor, Dr. Zoon, um, she had done her PhD work at the School of Public Health there. And the postdoc that I worked with also did her PhD work at Johns Hopkins, but in the School of Medicine. And so it was a really great opportunity to um, ask them questions and learn from them. And so I ended up applying and, and to the immunology program to do my PhD. And like I said, I was really fascinated by the regulation on the molecular level of our immune system. And I was really open to what specific threat to study. So whether that be genetics, viruses, cancer, there's so many um, different things that can influence the immune response. But what was interesting to me was what specifically about our immune regulation can keep us safe. And so, um, yeah, fast forward a bunch of years, I um, was able to show in my uh, thesis work 
um, was able to better analyze a class of immunodeficiency disorders, so a genetic cause for immunodeficiency disease. And what was interesting about this particular class of mutations is that if the mutation caused a gain of function in a protein called CART11, it was associated with lymphomas and cancer. But if it caused um, a loss of function, um, specifically dominant negative function, it resulted in immunodeficiency. So the patients had viral infections and skin disorders. So it was a really nice um, disease to focus in on just to show the complexity in the regulation and how even single nucleotide changes can have really drastic effects on how the body functions. But I will say I was always interested in nutrition. And it wasn't until that I took a class as one of my electives in graduate school um, called Nutrition, Infection, and Immunity, um, focused on international health, that I really felt that I wanted to pivot into public health training and specifically on the intersection between nutrition and immunology. And there wasn't much room for that in my PhD work, which was okay. I loved my PhD work. I thought it was so interesting. But I knew that I wanted to, to dive deeper into nutrition and public health. And I had the great opportunity to meet Dr. Klaus Kramer, who's the president of Sight and Life, um, while I was still a graduate student. And we connected on the topic of alternative proteins, actually. And so I began to... Um, work with them a bit on their podcast and their their initiatives related to alternative proteins as a potential opportunity to help support nutrition in low middle income countries again also asking the question of whether or not it's relevant or or a useful avenue um, but I essentially just went out on a limb and asked Klaus if there would be any opportunities for me to learn more about Sight in Life and the work that they do. And it fit really nicely with my career plan to do a postdoctoral fellowship at the NIH because um, when I was wrapping up my PhD and when I would start working on applications for the postdoc um, in the Cancer Prevention Fellowship Program, there would be a gap year, essentially. And so Klaus was really sweet to work with me to develop an internship during that gap year, and he supported me through my application with NCI as well. So I, I think it was a lot of luck, but also putting myself out there to be able to pivot careers in a certain way. And just one note about the NCI, so this Cancer Prevention Fellowship Program, I think is really nice for a variety of people. So for example, people like me that have a basic science background, um, it gives them an opportunity to dive further into public health. And so it supports an MPH at a university of your, your choice. And using those skills in quantitative skills, bringing that to NCI to develop a research plan. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for next steps, but I'm right now in, in year one, so working on the MPH. That's great. So I actually had a question to ask you more about the um, fellowship, but I think that you um, gave us a bit of insight um, into that already. So I'll move on to the next question. Are there any experiences during grad school that gave you a valuable lesson or helped you transition more into the international nutrition? And you talked a little bit about the course, but could you give us more insight into maybe how you had those conversations with mentors or what was that process like? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say the process has changed quite a bit because I, I really reached out to so many people in, in different aspects of nutrition and, and immunity 
And they really kind of guided my interest, I would say. So early on, I was really fascinated by the work of Dr. Jed Fahey, who recently retired, but was an investigator at the School of Medicine. And he worked a lot with, um, he was a botanist by training. So he worked with broccoli sprouts and sulforaphane to be able to show how that can improve, you know, inflammation related to NF-kappa B signaling, for example. So there's a whole lot of work done in that area. So I I would say at first I was really interested in the mechanisms, the molecular mechanisms of nutrition on the immune response. And I think as I started to engage more with people in the public health field in nutrition and immunity, I really began to see how looking a bit more at the population level could be really useful. So Dr. Amanda Palmer, Anita Shutt, and uh, Dr. Harry Dawson taught the course that I took at the School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins. And it was a whole range of topics. And I I remember feeling really excited by a lot of the things they described. So it was about the microbiome, for example, and, you know, how undernutrition impacted the immune response and how micronutrients play a role. So it was really the first time I was able to think about the immune system in terms of what's really going on in low resource settings. And after hearing that, it really became very clear that that should be my focus. Like I think a lot of the molecular mechanisms are really, really interesting, but I really wanted to see how I could use my knowledge to support groups that don't have access to adequate nutrition. And there's still a lot of interesting research questions there. And thanks so much for telling us about your career trajectory and what it is like to like do an MPH while also having a postdoc fellowship in something which is not super public health related if you just like look at it from um uh, zoomed out lens. And I was wondering, because I had a question related to your seminar, which also spoke about some LMICs and precision nutrition. So I was wondering if you've been able to so far have had an opportunity to travel to conduct research or have any experience at an international research setting? And how do you balance it with other commitments? And what are some insights you've had from those travels? Yeah, I will say I'm I'm early on, so I have not actually had those experiences. Um, most of the work that I had done with Sight and Life and the SFNV, the work was done virtually. So a lot of the interviews and and collaborations was done that way. But as the project moves forward, the idea is to be able to work with communities in their regions, and so travel would be a part of that. But I I just can't speak too much to that right now. And and I'll just I'll just pick up from what you just say. So, oh, I guess it's, it's part of the the advantages of technology now that we can do all this, including the recording this podcast, uh, all by Zoom and you know uh, calls, etc. So, would you tell us a little bit about your experience talking with international collaborators or participants in the study you were um, working? And maybe can you tell us like a little bit for all the ones that didn't watch the seminar what we're actually talking about? Yeah, of course. Um, So I presented today the work done in collaboration uh, with the Swiss Food and Nutrition Valley. Um, They have a working group called the Precision Nutrition for Low and Middle Income Countries Project. And I was working as an intern for Sight and Life, um, who was collaborating with the Swiss Food and Nutrition Valley um, as part of this, uh, what they call an impact pot or or the working group. And so the, the goal of the group as 
a whole was to make the use of precision nutrition more available, affordable, and desirable for LMICs. So really to change the narrative and see how we can use a lot of these growing technologies and applications for the benefit of um, populations in low resource settings. And as part of that, we uh, conducted an opinion survey by identifying nutrition leaders um, that work throughout the nutrition field, either in academia, on the ground, in education, for example, which were mostly identified through uh, the network of Sight and Life and the SFNV, mainly because the applications for precision nutrition in the literature were really lacking. So it, it showed us that we need to start somewhere and who better than um, people that we already know that are doing great work in LMICs. So the idea was to just send send emails, let them know about our group's mission. Um, we also attached the 24-question survey, which dealt with uh, nutrition problems in their regions, uh, current approaches, their perceived view of precision nutrition and the relevance for their community, and whether or not they'd be interested to collaborate and start to build projects and ideas together. And the question was, what what was that experience like, pretty much? So I was able to get in touch with 13 of the 17 that we reached out to uh, and conduct interviews with the other members of the working group. And I would probably say it was one of the best experiences, I think, because you learn so much from people who are experiencing the challenges and who see it and who know the community really well. And it was the first time that I really got to do something like that and to just sit and listen and, and absorb all that they think about whether or not precision nutrition would be relevant. And I particularly remember talking to one um, opinion leader and he was a, a bit of a critic because, you know, he pointed out that we there's so many um, problems or, or challenges to deal with that we can't really think about working at the individual level. And I think that was a key moment for our group to realize we really need to shift the narrative to be able to say that we're not focused on the individual because we understand that um, resources are limited and targeting should really be at the, the group level. So I think it was really helpful in us learning how to communicate about precision nutrition, how to include those who may initially not agree with it or not think that it's relevant and try to find middle ground and understanding that it's sort of a either a pyramid you can think or, or there's different levels to it. And maybe the ultimate end goal is the individual, but that's not going to be applicable right away. And so, yeah, just learning about what each community needs, I think was really great to see because from a science perspective, understanding that the technology, you know, could be available here and I see applications of it here, for example, but it's not always um, going to pan out that way. So it was nice for me as someone who had never done work uh, internationally or is new to the field to be able to hear that. Sounds like an awesome experience. I think Nidhi is, is making, is having another question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm kind of changing, like shifting directions of this podcast now, because this podcast is also catered to some trainees or rising stars in the field of international nutrition and public health. So could you quickly or briefly talk about your days as a graduate trainee and if you've experienced some setbacks or failures and how you dealt with them to get to where you are? 
Oh, yes. And there are so many. <laughs> yeah. So um, I my project was mainly focused on molecular biology and biochemistry. So I was looking at T cells in particular, which are a part of the adaptive immune response. And I worked um, with cell culture in order to identify the signaling mechanisms um, in, in T cells in terms of T cell activation. So the mutations that I talked about with Caden's disease in, in the protein called CARD11, it really functions downstream of the T cell receptor. And um, that needs to be effectively activated in order for a productive immune response to keep us safe against viruses and things like that. So um, I introduced, I used genetic engineering to introduce different mutations, uh, some of which were found in patients to be able to understand how the signaling process and the activation changed uh, with these different mutations. And so a lot of the challenges that I faced were technical in nature. So an assay that would work one week wouldn't work the next week. And being able to keep the dedication, I think was my biggest um, the thing that helped me the most. So it was frustrating at times, but I think always um, being dedicated to the question that I'm interested in solving really helped me keep going through that. And I think also having a nice mentor who was involved in the process really helped with things like that because, you know, he knew when to change directions or when to keep trying. And I think it was really nice to have that support system to work through challenges. So I guess when it comes to what other people could think about is really trying to strengthen relationships with your mentors and people who are there to support you because they can um, they can really help during times of struggle. And I think I was really lucky to um, have a mentor who supported me when when things got tough. All right, so we are almost at the end of the of the of the recording today but i know andrea wanted to ask a very last question and i think maybe the rest of the people that is waiting uh to talk with you can can bear with us for a couple of minutes and and we'll wrap this up go ahead andrea yeah just so for the last question i wanted to know if there was any advice that you had for graduate trainees um, who are in this space and looking to continue in international nutrition yeah, I think I'm going to pull from an answer that I gave during the seminar today because I think it's really important. I think um, in public health and specifically international health, collaboration is so key. So I think recognizing that each person on their own working in silos is not going to be effective for, for really bringing about sustainable change and helping different communities. So I think learning to connect with people in the field and with projects that you're really interested in is probably the single most best thing you can do as a, a rising star in nutrition. I think learning from the people that have been in the field for a long time and um, just putting yourself out there through networking because your career path might change pretty drastically if you do so. And that was what I think I experienced. So I really appreciated meeting different people and hearing different perspectives, because I think that's what this field is all about, is working together and building collaborations to make sustainable change. Wow. Well, I think that's a, a great way to, to end the podcast. That's all we have for, for today. And thank you so much, Dr. Benzel Fryer, for chatting with us and, and sharing all your experiences with us and the rest of the audience. Thank you so much. It was really nice to get to know you as well.
Great. And of course, thank you to all the listeners and stay tuned for more insightful conversations with amazing researchers in international nutrition and global health. And before I forget, today is a national day because we're celebrating Andrea's birthday. So from the PIM podcast team, happy birthday, Andrea. We'll celebrate soon. <laughs> thank you. Happy birthday.